0: It's
1: White Sox Weekly, your all-access pass to everything White Sox. That baby will go! Lance Lynn with an absolute gem.
2: good morning and welcome in to white Sox weekly i'm connor mcknight we've got you for the next hour this morning talking white Sox baseball a couple of headlines in and around the league some hardware handed out and the white Sox had very respectable finishes in the al cy young award race we'll talk about lance lynn's performance you'll hear from lance lynn as he finished third in al cy young voting We also, and this is really cool, I'm I'm very much looking forward to this, December 5th, the committee meets for the Golden Days-era Hall of Fame ballot. On that ballot are three former White Sox, most of whom should have been in the Hall of Fame a long time ago. Those guys are Minnie Minoso, Dick Allen, and Billy Pierce. All three of them, in my consideration, uh, should be in the Hall of Fame. Dick Allen, absolutely, first ballot. The fact that he's not in there, an absolute crime. Minnie Minoso had a tremendous career, and I often look at the Hall of Fame as a museum of baseball. Can you tell the story of baseball without these players? And I think the answer to Minnie Minoso's question on that side of things is an absolute no. He should be in the Hall of Fame, and the career accomplishments speak for themselves. Billy Pierce was one of the best pitchers Of the 50s. I mean, absolutely one of the best. He didn't get the run support that he might have otherwise gotten, and he played on some other teams. You know, those go-go White Sox were all about pitching, defense, and, well, you know, go-go White Sox, so they're running a whole lot as well. Um, But, you know, his teammates, his contemporaries would tell you that if he'd have played on other teams and other eras, perhaps, he'd have had a lot more wins, and that would have put him in the Hall of Fame uh, back in the 70s when he was first eligible. Speaking of Billy Pierce... Really fun treat for later on in the show. About 9.30, we're going to talk with Bob Pierce, the son of Billy Pierce. It's not the first time that Billy has been on the Golden Era ballot, but hopefully this time is the charm for Billy Pierce and the rest of the family. Uh, Billy passed away a few years ago, 2015, so it would be a posthumous uh, award for Billy, but it would mean so much to him and, and, and the family. Um, really keeping our fingers crossed for Billy Pierce as we get closer and closer to December 5th and that uh, golden days era balloting coming up. Uh, like I mentioned, want to get into uh, some of the big stuff. Lance Lynn had a press conference with White Sox beat reporters on Thursday, and there were some really good things uh, in there. Some good nuggets uh, about Lance's season, uh, about the White Sox in 21 and what they're looking forward to in 22. Want to get to a little bit of that. Cause I think you'll find it interesting. First, though, Sox fans, start planning your 2022 outings to the ballpark. We have party areas of all sizes that are perfect for you and your group. Learn more about our spaces, including diamond suites or a patio party. For more information, call or text 312-674-1000 or visit whitesox.com. All right, so without any further ado, I kind of want to dig into some of this Lance Lynn tape that we've got for you. I, I don't think many people have had a chance to listen to it yet. It is Very fresh. Uh, And Lance was, I mean, if not the star of White Sox post-game shows every night. He pitched, you know, just his candor and and honesty and uh, frankness. Can I be frank? His frankness was very much appreciated in post-game shows all throughout the year. I speak for everybody here at the ESPN 1000 White Sox Network uh, about it being uh, really a joy to hear Lance Lynn post-game show comments uh, because we just really liked listening to him. He was a bunch of fun. So he talked a bit uh, about the Cy Young finish. Lance finished third in Cy Young voting. Robbie Ray, of course, took home the Cy Young, his his first Cy Young award. 29 first-place votes, one second-place vote for Robbie Ray, 207 total points. Garrett Cole of the Yankees finished in second place. He had one first-place vote, 29 second-place votes, 123 total points so kind of a two-horse race there with Robbie Ray and Garrett Cole and you understand it too especially from Lynn's perspective Uh, Sox fans will know this Lynn just he was banged up late on in the season a knee issue that uh, he talked about some in the press conference he had on Thursday Uh, I'll update you that uh, on that in just a minute Uh, but Lynn finished third 48 points in total 11 third place votes five fourth place votes five fifth place votes The White Sox also had Carlos Rodon and Liam Hendricks and Lucas Giolito finish in the top 10. Like I mentioned, Lynn was third. Carlos Rodon finished fifth place in the voting. Liam Hendricks finished eighth place in the voting. And then Lucas Giolito uh, tied with Rasiel Iglesias. Both got votes. They were at the bottom of the list, but 10th overall in total votes. So Giolito and Rodon and Hendricks... Lynn, I, it kind of tells the story of the 2021 White Sox. They pitched really well for the regular season run and, and not so much in the playoffs against the Astros. Lynn will get into a little bit of that in just a moment. He was first asked, though, in this press conference what he thought of his finish in the Cy Young, what it meant to him uh, in the season overall and kind of what it means going forward to take a listen.
1: Uh, yeah, anytime that you can uh, get uh, be in contention for the uh, first time being in the final three. I've been in the top ten the last couple of years. So um, I'm making steps towards the ultimate goal as a, an individual, um, but you're not going to be there without your team. Um, we had a good year. Uh, obviously, we didn't finish the way we wanted to. And, uh, you know, we got a lot to work on to get to that ultimate goal. One for me, being healthy and being able to make sure I make every start. Um, And that will put me in better contention. And then, uh, you know, that's all I can control from there.
2: Well said, well spoken. Take care of what you can control. And, uh, you know, hopefully the rest with the White Sox, uh, the talent the White Sox have on the roster uh, gets the Sox a few more wins, especially in the postseason in 2022. Now, buried in that is kind of the health of, of Lance Lynn at this point. And he did update reporters in his press conference on Thursday. Uh, General Manager Rakan had mentioned there might need to be some cleanup on the knee issue that sidelined Lynn, put him on the injured list for a little while, and had him pitching at less than 100% strength in the last few weeks of the season. Turns out that the MRIs came back clean, on well, clean enough on Lance Lynn's knee. He, he does have some stuff in there that's going to, you know, need maintenance, I think, is the way he put it, uh, kind of for the rest of his pitching career, I suppose. But that maintenance is is easily done. It can be taken care of in an offseason. And knowing that it's there, you know, knowing is half the battle, knowing that it's there, Lynn's got a better plan. The White Sox have a better plan of, of kind of uh, attacking it and being proactive. So good news is that the, the structure of, of Lynn's knee did not need surgery, and that's better than having to have it, I suppose, in an off season. Uh so that's kind of the medical update on Lance Lynn here. Now, what I what I thought was really interesting here is, is kind of playoff experience as both a motivator and a teacher. Dallas Keuchel talked about this in his uh kind of end of season press conference. Rick Hahn talked about it as well. And it just kind of makes sense that, um, that Lynn would talk about it, too. There's two cuts here. We'll play them uh, pretty quick back-to-back and then kind of sum things up. I, I think this is um, some pretty insightful stuff from Lance.
1: We threw the ball really well. Um, we've got uh, things that we can improve on, like everybody. But as a whole, uh, you know, make sure that you do the things that uh, you, uh, you, know, you're, you did well this year. Make sure you keep those the same and make sure the things that you need to improve on that you uh, try to make sure you work on them this winter. Um, as a group, we've got a lot more in the tank. I think, uh, I think we're kind of scratching the surface, uh, Ethan and the pitching staff or the coaching staff, uh, we're able to implement a lot of things this year that guys were able to take off and run with. And we're looking forward to another year and another, uh, opportunity, um, to make sure we even improve more going into next year. And, you know, Ethan's already got, uh, plans intact for guys to make sure that they're got everything they need to, uh, improve as much as possible this winter.
2: So while well, that's kind of laying out the confidence with the White Sox have and have to build on more on that in just a second, Lance remarked on Michael Kopech getting moved in the rotation in 2022. You're going to want to hear that. Um, but he also, uh, Lance did, talked about the experience of having been in the playoffs, both in 2020, which obviously Lance wasn't around for, not with the White Sox, uh, but that's a run that most of his team made different than 2021. He lays it out here in kind of details where, uh, you know, and, and maybe you don't want to, this is a teaching experience. You know, the, the series against the Astros was different than that series against the A's. There are lessons to be learned. Uh, and in some instances, I, I guess, you know, if you're not learning those lessons, then you're really doing your team and yourself a disservice. And Lance says that that is absolutely not the case. These things are, are well cataloged by the 2021 White Sox heading into this offseason and into next year.
1: When you look at the last two years, uh, making the playoffs, uh, you know, the 60 game season playoffs was probably, you know, an outlier. You didn't have your, your full season that you went through to kind of get there. Um, last year, we had the ups and downs of the season, we had injuries, and I think that we saw that we're capable of winning the games we're supposed to. Um, and then, you know, we're able to make the playoffs, and we saw what the atmosphere is like in the playoffs for some of these guys that have never really been in it um now moving forward it's we know what's expected to take and we know what kind of uh baseball and what kind of quality baseball we have to play to get to the ultimate goal and that's being a world series championship um so i think a lot of guys learned a lot this year and i think that there's a lot that's going to be learned over the course of this off season to be able to help improve everyone for not only the regular season because our division is going to be better next year um but also being able to make sure the playoff-caliber teams we play during the season that were ready to match their intensity, especially uh, in those tight games.
2: Listen, everybody wants to win one extra game in the playoffs, right? Everybody wants to be the last team standing and flags fly forever. That's kind of a motto here on the show. Uh, but if you do get booted, if you are done earlier than you'd like, you need to learn from what that run was and whether that's uh, about personal preparation, that level of intensity, that lance is talking about there you know there is almost no matter what you know if you you don't win that final game perhaps there was an extra notch that you could take things to having been there this year with the crowd against the astros all that kind of stuff uh perhaps a lot of white Sox have, have discovered exactly what it's going to take next season um you know should they make the playoffs to make it a deeper run to make it a more successful thing um Two more cuts from Lance here that I, I think are pretty interesting. One, um, about the building of this White Sox rotation for 2022. Carlos Rodon is, right now, a free agent. There have been a couple of names come off the board. Don't worry, we're going to talk about uh, the uh, the hot stove and get into the rumor mill in just a few minutes here on the show. Uh, but for now, it looks like the White Sox rotation. I, I really shouldn't say looks like. But right now, the White Sox rotation is Lance Lynn, Lucas Giolito, Dylan Cease, Dallas Keuchel, and Michael Kopek debuting in the rotation in 2022. Things can change from here. Trades could happen. Hopefully, there are no injuries. And as Tony La Russa says, knock on wood on that one. Uh, but Michael Kopech being slotted into the rotation is pretty exciting for obvious reasons, right? Highly touted, worked so well in spot starts, and in my opinion. And I think actually, if you look at a lot of the numbers, when he's working with more than just fastball slider, he's an even more effective pitcher, which bodes well for him uh, coming out of the rotation or being in the rotation, I'd, I should say. Lynn was asked about Kopek moving into the starting five. Check out what he had to say.
1: Uh, I think he's got everything that he needs to be one of the most elite starting pitchers in baseball. Um, got all pitches. He's got the uh, desire to be great. Um, he's got, obviously, got the. the physical uh, ability to do it all so the good thing that uh, he has is he's got a pitching coach that you know has the ability to make sure that uh, not only simplify things but also make sure that he's got everything he needs to have as much success as possible and uh, you know I know Michael is going to lean on us guys that have been in the rotation on how to handle things and how to do things and not only does he want to be good but he's willing to listen and, and willing to do everything he can to do the best possible and so when you have all those things you know there's you know, you don't know how how good it's going to be, but you know that there's a good chance with, with his stuff he's going to be a very good starting pitcher.
2: I don't know about you, and I hope I'm not making too much out of this, but I'm very excited to see Michael Kopech in the starting five for the White Sox in 22. I know that he won't be able to take a full, you know, 150 to 180 innings, uh, you know, kind of a full load, 30 starts or, or whatever, uh, because the the innings and and – You know, where he's been at with the workload of the last two seasons, having sat out 2020 and being a hybrid bullpen starter spot guy last year. It's just not going to allow for that. It's highly unlikely to allow for that. And the White Sox may need, you know, if not a sixth starter, maybe, you know, a creative plan to help cover some of those innings. But in terms of just potential stuff, makeup, competitiveness, all that kind of stuff, I am... um, Pretty bullish on Michael Kopech being in the rotation. He's probably one of the top two storylines, you know, right now. We'll see what the White Sox add over the next couple of months. But right now, he's one of the things I'm most excited for in 22. That and the, you know, obviously the further development of Luis Robert. Now, Lance Lynn mentioned one more guy a few times in his end-of-season press conference after having gotten third place in the AL Cy Young voting just a few days ago. And that guy was Ethan Katz. First year White Sox pitching coach, well known to White Sox fans and Lucas Giolito because he was Lucas Giolito's high school pitching coach. We've had him on the show a bunch. And his impact on the starting staff, a lot of bullpen arms, it was felt. I thought the way Lance talked about Ethan Katz as a pitching coach might make you feel just a little warm and fuzzy about what the White Sox have uh, in Katz and his ability to help develop arms.
1: Uh, you know, it's, it's, huge. Uh, the good thing that has is like, for me, I've had the same guy I've worked with, uh, since I was 12 years old and those, and they're able to communicate and do things like that. So he's not afraid to, uh, use the things that make you comfortable, make you do the things you're not, he's not, doesn't have an ego that says you have to do it his way or anything like that. He's willing to help you no matter what, uh, whatever you need, um, give you ideas, give you things, be able to bounce things off of. So, when you have that open line of communication, when there's no ego involved, there's no my way or the highway, it makes it fun to come to work the every, uh, every day, bounce, things, bounce ideas off of each other, and see what you to do to uh, you know be as good as you can. And that's what it's all about.
2: So some pretty good stuff there from Lance Lynn in his end-of-season press conference. Uh, those are the highlights. Wanted to bring them to you here. First thing on White Sox Weekly. Hey, by the way, you can give the gift of White Sox baseball with a holiday pack, starting at $79.00. Get six ticket vouchers to 56 different home games during the 2022 regular season, along with an exclusive White Sox hat and scarf set. Visit WhiteSox.com slash holiday packs to purchase yours today. When we come back, we'll get the news and notes segment. We'll get into the hot stove just a little bit. And don't forget, coming up at 930, we're going to talk with the son of Billy Pierce, Bob Pierce. Billy is up for the hall of fame through the golden days era ballot on december 5th we'll take a look back at billy pierce's legendary career in a conversation with his son at 9 30 this is white sox weekly on espn 1000 we are
0: talking white sox This is White Sox Weekly. If you miss the show, we put the podcast up on the ESPN Chicago app. So listen on your time. White Sox Weekly, ESPN 1000, Chicago's home for sports.
2: Welcome back to White Sox Weekly here on ESPN 1000. I'm Connor McKnight. You can secure your spot at Guaranteed Rate Field next season in the 2022 ticket package. Catch the biggest matchups and enjoy 2022 postseason opportunities, flexible payment plans, and more. For more information, call or text 312-674-1000 or visit whitesox.com. All right. Just got done uh, playing some sound from Lance Lynn's end-of-season press conference. Some good stuff there. Glad to get into kind of the pitching aspect of things. But it is the winter, which means the hot stove is getting hotter. We've had some moves already made by a few teams. It's time for the new segment here on White Sox Weekly. Let's get into the news and notes. White Sox Weekly now
0: brings you live correspondence from the far realms of the baseball. Universe. Universe. Everything from seams to batteries. And anything from cash
2: considerations to dirty inning situations. Here's young Connor McKnight. Ah, the news and notes. Important segment here in this offseason. Uh, White Sox have been connected to a couple of players, you know, through the uh, rumor mill and the Twitterverse and all that other good stuff. But some moves uh, have gotten done. Uh, one of the more recent ones, Justin Verlander signed a two-year, $50 million deal with the Houston Astros just the other day. Verlander's only made one start uh, in the last two seasons. Tommy John surgery has kept him out of action. But in 2019, his last full season, he he won the Cy Young. He did that whole thing. Uh, 223 innings pitched, 34 games. Bob Nightingale, USA Today, had tweeted out that the White Sox were interested in Justin Verlander, although it looks like Verlander was – pretty much focused on returning it to the Astros and that price tag. You know, it's a big one. Verlander's 38. So he's going to be you know signed now through his age 40 season. He's found the fountain of youth. I mean, he won the Cy Young in 2019 in his age 36 season. He finished second in the Cy Young voting in 2018, his first full run with Houston. So, you know, while it is a risk, Signing a pitcher of that age, signing any pitcher, I guess at some point is a risk because they all get hurt at at one way or another. Um, But he's coming back off of Tommy John. There's certainly a spot in that Houston Astros rotation. They could use another arm. But Verlander goes back to the Astros for two years and fifty million dollars. A couple other pitching signings going down. Jose Barrios, former Twin, now a long-term Toronto Blue Jay, or at least that's the deal. Seven years, one hundred thirty-one million dollars. Barrios was going into his last year of arbitration. So if it makes it easier, he figured he was pegged for about $11 million in this final year of arbitration. So you can call it a six-year for $120 million. And the Blue Jays bought out his arbitration year. So that's done. Barrios is out of the AL Central. But the White Sox will still see him every now and again as he pitches for Toronto. Now they had need in the rotation for sure. Noah Syndergaard goes from the Mets to the Angels Kind of a strange fit, but he heads west and into the American League. Uh, this is a real fun headline, I-, I think. The Tampa Bay Rays have reportedly offered a record extension to Wander Franca. Now, this report is from El Caribe, its news outlet in Dominican Republic. Uh, it's reportedly a ten-year deal worth something between one hundred and $2 million, $200 dollars. Million Uh, That would obviously set a record for a guy who's played as little as Wander Franco has. He's been the number one prospect for years now. Uh, That would be a huge record-setting thing. And all of this, uh, you know, all these kind of things bubbling and and percolating as we approach the December 2nd deadline. Of course, uh, the CBA runs out December 2nd. So there there is a motivation, I guess, for teams to get things done, for players to get some deals signed. Starling Marte who had a very good season, starting out with the Marlins and then being traded over to the Oakland A's. His season at Slashline was a 310 average with a 383 on base and a 458 slugging. He also had 47 stolen bases. He's reportedly he got a market going and might be among those big-time players that sign before the CBA expires December 2nd. We saw a report from Jeff Passan and Jesse Rogers, too, uh, that some of these big names, some of these top free agents – might be motivated to sign before the CBA expires, and one of those could be Marcus Semian. We've seen in some places that the White Sox are interested in Semian, former White Sox draft pick, of course, came up as a shortstop, went to Oakland in a big deal there that involved Chris Bassett. Jeff Samarja was the player the White Sox got back. He has since blossomed into a, a really impressive hitter and a guy that can more than handle shortstop, despite the fact that. You know, his first couple years with the Sox playing short uh, was not great defensively. He's turned himself into one heck of a defensive player. Second base for the Blue Jays last year set a record for total home runs hit by a guy who's played more than 50% of his season at second base. Semyon hit 45 home runs with a .265 average, a three thirty-four on base, and a 538 slugging percentage. He was an all-star, a gold glover, and a silver slugger to boot. Tough to beat out Shohei Otani, but that is a darn good season. He also played 162 games in 21, 53 of 60 in 20, and 162 games in 2019. Pretty dependable guy, if you ask me. And the White Sox certainly have a spot at second base. The question, though, with Semyon is whether he wants to play second. He's a shortstop. And at age 31, you know, he's still got plenty of time to play a little short, three, four, five seasons or so. I think the question is going to be just how long a contract he wants. He is uh, over 30, and we tend to see values decrease for free agents when they hit that kind of marketplace. You take a look at spots like Fangraphs or what have you, kind of the average deal that he's you know, kind of uh, speculated to get is something around four years and 25 per. Call it you know, a four-year, $105 million to $115 million deal. Something in that range. And, and that would be, I think, a worthwhile spend for any team, uh, White Sox included. Oh, one more note, and this is pretty fun. The, the division has changed. You know, you heard Lance Land in the first segment talking about the division getting tougher. Well, it has officially changed. Cleveland is now the Guardian's. No longer the Indians. They are now the Cleveland Guardians. That move made official yesterday. So welcome to the AL Central to the Guardians. And here's to the White Sox getting a whole bunch of wins against the Guardians in their first season. When we come back, really cool interview. Very much looking forward to this. Bob Pierce, the son of Billy Pierce, White Sox legend and hopefully future Hall of Famer Billy Pierce. We'll tell you all about that when we come back. It's White Sox Weekly. Oh, and you can entertain your group in the CIBC Fan Box, the only luxury suite on the main concourse. Enjoy new, customizable food and beverage options in 2022. Visit WhiteSox.com or call 312-674-1000 for more information. All right, up next, Bob Pierce, the son of Billy Pierce, on White Sox Weekly. It's ESPN 1000.
0: Chicago's home for sports is the home of the White Sox. We're on twitch.tv or the Twitch app. Follow us at ESPN 1000 Chicago. Welcome to White Sox Weekly on ESPN 1000.
2: Welcome back to White Sox Weekly here on ESPN 1000. I'm Connor McKnight. Our guest this morning Is Bob Pierce, the son of Billy Pierce, legendary White Sox starter. 18 years in the Bigs with the Tigers, White Sox, and Giants. Billy's number 19 was retired by the White Sox in 1987. Statue unveiled at the park in 2007. Billy Pierce is one of nine on the Golden Days era ballot for the Hall of Fame this year. He's on the list along with former White Sox Mitty Minoso and Dick Allen. Bob, thanks so much for coming on the show. Really appreciate it. Uh, I imagine that the last couple of days have been uh, exciting for you and the family leading up to December 5th, Decision Day.
0: Yes, absolutely. Uh, we've had the opportunity a couple of times to get uh, excited for this uh, great opportunity, and we just hope that things work out.
2: I, me too, and I know White Sox fans are are behind your family and your dad, of course. You know, you look through metrics, you look through stories, you look through anecdotes and and even the kind words of, of former teammates of your dad and guys he played against. Billy Pierce is pretty widely regarded as one of the best pitchers in baseball to have not made the Hall of Fame yet. His His career kind of speaks for itself. Um, but I wonder how you guys have kind of and your dad kind of internalized and, and went through what the last, you know, 10, 15 years have been like looking in and, and kind of
0: waiting for what is what seems to be just and do. Well, the great thing about my father, besides him, his pitching and all the statistics that you are referencing, is uh, what he was off the field and people who knew him. Uh, it wasn't something that he would put the statistics before You know, other people. He always gave compliments if he pitched a great game. You know, it didn't matter if it was a seven hitter, a shutout, or a one hitter. He'd always give the compliments to the defense and to his catcher, uh, and that he had a good day. And he was just glad to be able to participate in the game. So he's quite humble.
2: What do you think your dad loved most about baseball? I mean, you read some of the stories. Whether it's you know uh, his parents bribing him with a glove and a ball to go get a, I think it was a, <laughs> a dentist procedure or something like that. I mean, what was it that that drew him to this fine sport as early as it did?
0: Yeah, he was uh, he was involved at very young age. Uh, the old story goes he used to go see his grandparents and he was just he was the only child so they kind of let him just hang out at the barn he could throw the ball on one side of the roof run around and catch it as it came rolled off the other side of the roof of the barn and so my grandfather used to say that's what gave him such a strong arm but he just loved the competitiveness I mean he played other sports growing up but he was always uh, you know out on the sandlot playing and did it through high school and he was fortunate that he had an opportunity to play not only at a competitive level at high school, but uh, actually getting to be part of the All-America team that went to New York and playing in, you know, with uh, the likes of uh, Babe Ruth and others watching. And, you know, and then he became the uh, MVP of that game and got himself a four-year scholarship to any college he chose. But uh, baseball uh, was his priority at that time. So, uh, He went right into Major League Baseball out of high school.
2: Talking with Bob Pierce, the son of White Sox legend, Billy Pierce. Numbers retired, the statues out there at the ballpark and everything. Um, I I find one of the – I'm looking through the baseball reference page, and Billy was listed. Your dad's listed at 5'10 and 160 on the baseball reference page. How accurate was that, do you think, in his playing days? And how does a guy that size generate the kind of heat – where you've got every single New York Yankee saying, "I couldn't even see the baseball from this guy."
0: <laughs> yeah, so true. I mean, a lot had to do with his windup. Um, those that watched him and they had a chance to see old film—if my, my dad was saying that he'd say old, old film. But um, <laughs> the—you uh, know—he had a great windup, and he was very mechanical in his approach. So because of that, he put everything behind it. Uh, I think actually, when he when he first signed. Uh, with the Tigers, he was 148 pounds. Um, and then he went on to uh, get some muscle mass, putting him up to a uh, 160. But, yeah, he, he played around that weight, uh, getting himself up to, you know, about 170 by the time he finished with the Giants. But, uh, yeah, he was always uh, lean, quite lean.
2: Billy was the sporting news pitcher of the year in 56 and 57 runner up for the same in 53 and 52. That's before, of course, the Cy Young got awarded a seven time All-Star, the first White Sox to start an All-Star game, three time American League leader in complete games, seven two hitters, four, one hitter, one pitch from perfect game in 58 against the senators of all the individual achievements, the on field stuff, Bob, what, what was your dad most proud of you think?
0: I think um, it, it varies. Uh, the, certainly the um, you know with everything that usually is talked about my, my father, people remember the 59 Go-Go socks. Oh yeah. And, and candidly, that was not his best year with the White Sox, far from it. Um, but because of what the team did and the team accomplishment, he, he was quite proud of that. He was quite, uh, very proud that he was part of that team and all the players that were there. Uh, He had a chance, uh, you know, obviously to get him to that point for the previous years, like all the stats you just mentioned, uh, putting him in a position. But, um, you know, I I would say, you know, one that always he talked about quietly after, uh, you know, years of being retired was uh, coming back in San Francisco and getting a chance to face the Yankees again and getting a chance to uh, beat them in uh, game six.
2: Those, those matchups with your dad and Whitey Ford and the Yankees are legendary. I worked with Ed Farmer for a couple of years, the late, great <laughs> Ed Farmer. And, he, and I, I know you've met Ed, but uh, yeah. he told me a few times... That his hatred, and he used the word hatred, I don't know that Ed used the word hate a lot, but for the Yankees he would, his hatred of the Yankees was essentially rooted in watching your dad take them on year after year after year. I just thought that was such a cool thing uh, for for Ed to to have as, as as part of Ed's history and your family's and your dad's too
0: yeah it was um it was funny because years later i would go to different events with my father and, and on occasion you know whitey ford would be there and they would talk and joke with one another and then uh i remember one time i think i was in uh, probably a junior in college i was at an event with my father in new york and uh he said uh, whitey ford pulled me to the side he said we joke now but we didn't do when we faced each other yeah. and <laughs> you know and that and that'd be just the way it was i mean uh my dad, uh, once he stepped onto the field, he was very driven and passionate about it. Uh, you know, he had a pretty hurried-up pace, uh, so he was there to get the job done and get on and get over with.
2: I, I read, Bob, that your dad was a pretty avid diarist. He kept a diary through his early years. Are those around? Do you guys have those about his you know, his no. playing days and kind of growing up? Un- unfortunately,
0: we don't. Oh. Um, yeah, those type of things that uh, he would leave. You know, j- he was just trying to— you know, write it all down in case he you know couldn't remember it later on, whatever it might be but uh he was very good on taking notes over the years uh that I saw sometimes there were notes about me that i didn't i want trying to erase but ah. uh no it was uh it, it he he did uh, like to keep stats uh just about players i mean he he would write things down about different players. You know, you didn't have anywhere near the sophistication like you do now. So a lot of that work was done with just the the pitchers talking to one another and then working maybe with their uh, pitching coach. But they didn't have all the video and film to watch like they do today.
2: Talking with Bob Pierce, the son of Billy Pierce, White Sox legend. Billy is up for the Golden Days-era ballot. That's on December 5th. So, White Sox fans, I think collectively, we're all going to keep our fingers crossed uh, for you, your dad, and the family coming up to December five. I, I was reading through, and I, I kind of thought to myself, Bob, Billy Pierce for Aaron Robinson has to be, depending on on who you are, one of the best trades in baseball history, or one of the worst. from the Tigers standpoint. you get you get Aaron Robinson. You're losing Billy Pierce. It's one of the best from the White Sox perspective. How did your dad take being traded at twenty one years old? having pitched in just 27 major league games.
0: You know, I think what he'd say later is he didn't know any different. You know, he, he knew that that was part of baseball and that, um, you know, he did have some control issues. So um, when it, when it happened, it turned out at first, he would thought that this was a big disappointment because he's lo- you know, leaving his hometown, but then to go to Chicago, it turned out the best thing for him. And there, there was a lot of talk about that. Even I, I, I read years later, that they tried to switch it the day later, uh, a day after the event uh, was signed. And Frank Lane Lane said, no, he's not making a change.
2: I read the same thing. I read that the Tigers even put up 50 grand to say, oops, our bad, we want Billy Pierce back.
0: (laughs) Yeah, which was unheard of in those days. I mean, what took place. Uh, So it was, um, you know, but... Everything worked out for the best. It was great that, uh, you know, I laughed for years, as did my dad, you know, and a lot of, you know, especially being on the south side, and they talk about, you know, the only player to be in the last two World Series for Chicago, and it's because my dad in 45 uh, with the Tigers beat the Cubs, and then obviously uh, in 59, Uh, when they um, unfortunately lost. So for many years, he was able to be on both in two World Series that had Chicago teams in it.
2: You know, Bob, I was thinking a lot about your dad's dad's career. You mentioned the control issues. And in a lot of ways, you know, modern-day baseball fans, we kind of look at pitching now as this scientific, slow-motion camera kind of thing. But when you think about your dad's career... You know, huge fastball, struggled to find his second pitch for a little while, control issues were big, then locates the slider to the point where it becomes like, you know, almost his main pitch. I'm talking 55, 56, 57, I think. That sounds very modern day. I wonder, you know, when when you watched games with your dad, uh, you know, in the 2000s and whatnot, do you... You remember him kind of looking at, at some of that and thinking, "Man, that's that feels a lot like how I kind of did it. That feels a lot like how I came up and into the bigs."
0: Yeah, a- absolutely. Um, he was definitely a fastball pitcher, um, and and he knew that was his strength. As if he could get over the plate, but um, you know, he also knew in working with Paul Richards that uh, you know he had to have a, a larger arsenal against the. Players he was going up against, so that's when he started to uh, you know work with the slider. He always had a strong overhand curveball too, and if you looked at his you know his whole motion, you could uh, he would somewhat telegraph that. So that was one of the reasons he had to go away from some of the curveball. But uh, I you know talk about watching games. All too often, we'd be watching a ball game later on, and the usually the color commentary would say, "Oh, look at that curveball! Oh, look at that slider!" And my dad would always sit there and correct him and say, "That's not what that pitch was." <laughs> so it, was it was quite funny about what took place, but uh, yeah, he definitely understood the uh, the hitters, especially.
2: Hey, s- he- speaking of of watching baseball on, on television or just you know your your family's ability to perceive it, is it true that your mother Gloria? figured out the white Sox bunt sign while your dad was playing and that he had to go to the manager
0: to get it changed (laughs) we've heard that i'm not sure that's that's a great uh legend but um you know she'll say that yeah i mean that's that's a credit (laughs)
2: to everybody really i mean you figure out the signs like that shoot i can't do that and i'm up in the broadcast booth half the time
0: well i'll tell you she she like many of the wives back then came to every game they could you know um and they didn't always have the best seats it was quite different back then so uh they would uh sit the you know the the, the players wives had seats but they were as my mom would say they were kind enough to put them in the ballpark
2: <laughs> that's that's good stuff i i wonder you know you you guys are part of the white Sox family and and uh you know from the Reinsdorfs down to everybody it's 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 very much a family atmosphere. I, I got to imagine that you guys are, are feeling some support from the organization as we get closer and closer to December 5th.
0: Oh, the White Sox are an incredible organization uh, and they've been like that for many years. I mean, I had the opportunity to, to meet Chuck Comiskey at many different occasions uh, who was there with my father uh, and then Bill Beck as well uh, at different occasions. But then certainly with, uh um, with Mr. Reinsdorf and, and looking at Howard Pizer and Scott Rafer and Christine and the, and the whole crew. I mean, just, just a great group of people, again, both on the field and off. I mean, they're certainly all about the Chicago White Sox, but they're really about people who have participated in the White Sox family.
2: Bob, can't tell you how hard we're all rooting for you. And we'll be, uh, like I said, fingers crossed all the way up to December 5th for Billy Pierce. Thank you very
0: much. Appreciate it very much.
2: Big thanks to Bob Pierce for coming on the show. Again, his dad, Billy Pierce, is up for the Hall of Fame through the Golden Days-era ballot, that voting on December 5th, and we're rooting for him and the family all the way up until then. This is White Sox Weekly. We're back with more on ESPN 1000.
0: Welcome back to White Sox Weekly. Listen to Chicago's Home for Sports on the ESPN Chicago app, 100.3 HD2, and ESPN 1000. Now, on the Home of the White Sox, here's Connor McKnight.
2: sox weekly i'm connor mcknight this is espn 1000 you can enjoy the best views of the ballpark in 2022 with an all-inclusive experience in premium seating the guaranteed rate club and win trust scout seats include flexible payment plans postseason options and more For more information call or text 312-674-1000 or visit whitesox.com just got done with an interview with bob pierce the son of billy pierce Really enjoyed talking with him. Some great stories. Uh, really hope that the one about Billy Pierce's wife, Gloria, stealing the White Sox bunt sign, or at least deciphering the White Sox bunt sign and that going to the manager at the time, I, I really hope that one was true. It sounds like it's a little bit more lore than anything else, uh, but that's a really fun one. If you missed the interview or maybe you got halfway through it or maybe you want to you know, send it to your friends or whatever, Billy Pierce, a, a big fan favorite of the White Sox. That much I know for sure. And here's hoping he gets into the Hall of Fame on December 5th on the Golden Days-era ballot. Uh, Dick Allen, Minnie Minoso, and Billy Pierce, all three former White Sox, all up for induction through that ballot on December 5th. And we'll focus on each one of those guys in some subsequent shows here on White Sox Weekly. Uh, Bob Pierce, though, had the chance to talk with us uh, earlier in the week and, and got a chance to really kind of share that story and take a look at it. Billy's uh, much deserving of the Hall of Fame, at least in my opinion. Uh, anyway, if you missed the interview, or you want to re-listen to it or share it around the ESPN Chicago app is where you can download each one of our white Sox weekly shows in case you missed some interviews or some stories, or just want to kick the show around for your friends. You can do that on the ESPN Chicago app. Just go to the white Sox weekly tab and download our shows. Um, In case you're looking for a little bit more hard hitting off season stuff couple of weeks ago, we had assistant general manager Chris Goetz on the show, talked a lot about the White Sox farm system, some of the prospects coming up and into the Arizona Fall League, guys like Joel Kisaspidis we talked about quite a bit, so you can go back through some of those shows, download that for your – or at your pleasure, whenever you'd like. Listen to it dozens of times if you're into it. One thing I wanted to get into here before we get out of here and get to the boys for the hockey show in just a minute or so, uh, Jeff Passan ESPN, friend of the show, friend of the station, obviously – Reported uh, on ESPN.com, he had a chat with Rob Manfred uh, about the upcoming expiring CBA collective bargaining agreement. And I know this has been kind of looming over baseball for a while, and it's entirely possible that we could be headed for a lockout. That would be the expiration of the CBA. Uh, and without a negotiation, without an agreement, players and teams. Are not allowed to do business our our free agent signings would stop for a little while Um, obviously in years past there there have been games missed like in 1994 when I was a kid growing up I mean it was a big part of baseball at the time and and things you know this is just me kind of pulling from you know other people who know a lot more about this obviously no one likes to think about a lockout no one likes to think about CBA negotiations putting a stop to baseball but It does sound like while there might be a lockout for some time this winter, both sides are pretty heavily motivated to not miss games. Or at the very least, you know, maybe it pushes spring training back some and you can still get the start of the season on time or really close to it. Rob Manfred in this piece Pass and Wrote kind of talked about what a lockout can do in terms of moving things, uh, moving the process forward. Manfred said, I don't think 94 worked out too great for anybody. I think we need to look at other sports. The pattern has become to control the timing of the labor dispute and try to minimize the prospect of actual disruption of the season. That's what it's about. It's avoiding doing damage to the season. Now, we brought up a couple of things that are in the rumor mill about negotiations between the Players Association and the ownership. Uh, Things that might change the game. Anything from the designated hitter in the National League to a different playoff format, to the reimagining of free agency, right? The idea that players could become a free agent at a designated year, you know, like at age 29, you automatically become a free agent unless, you know, you've got a contract that runs through those seasons, that kind of thing. All that stuff has been thrown out there. And and to be quite honest, some of the stuff we go into here on White Sox Weekly, but we're more focused on, on the team itself. And I think, too, because... These things are bargaining positions. They're chips to be traded around. And while some of the ideas are fun and some of the ideas are are maybe worth talking about, maybe have more traction than others, we won't really know what's on the table until, you know, perhaps the CBA expires and and negotiations really, in earnest, start to kick back up. But that's where one of the biggest stories of the offseason is at. You can secure your spot next season by locking in a 20-game ticket plan. Take advantage of the best prices, flexible payment plans, and 2022 postseason priority. Don't miss a second of the action. For more information, visit WhiteSox.com or call 312-674-1000. That does it for us here on White Sox Weekly. Big thanks to Bob Pierce for giving the interview about his dad. and Best of luck to the Pierce's on December 5th when the Hall of Fame induction comes around for the Golden Days-era crew. Thanks to Eric Ostrowski, our producer, Pat Boyle, and Brian Hanley. They have the hockey show, and their next here on ESPN 1000.
0: This is White Sox Weekly. White Sox Weekly. On Chicago's home for sports.
2: On the ESPN Chicago app. 100.3 HD2 and ESPN 1000.